You are listening to the official Acts 2 podcast. For more information and resources, please visit our website at www.acts2orlando.com. All right, take your Bibles this morning. We're going to dig into the Word here a little bit. Um, I've had this kind of resonating in me for quite some time here. And uh, just the way it works with me, I don't do a whole lot of sermon preparation. I just spend a lot of meditation in the Word and listening to the Lord, and I'll get ideas and thoughts and write them down, and this one's been coming for some time. Um, I want to talk about destroying the devil's home. Amen. <laughs> Does that sound like fun to you guys? Yeah. Destroying the devil's home. Where's his home? Hmm, good question. Some people think it's hell. Hell is not the realm of where that the devil lives. It is not. Hell is a place reserved in judgment. It's not the throne room of, of Satan, hell. It's not the realm from which he rules or which he lives. It's a place reserved for him. The, wor- the word says that the whole world is under the sway of the evil one, under the influence. So the, he's the, called the prince of the air. He's all around the demonic. He's all around on this planet trying to wreak havoc. He goes around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. So where does he really live? Where does he, where does he manifest himself? He manifests himself in our lives. So this morning I want to talk about what does it look like to destroy his home. It doesn't mean destroying our lives, but there's a place and a way that we make for him to come live inside and do things inside of us. Now this may sound a little weird, and this will make more sense in a moment here, but take your Bibles, turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 2, and we'll start with this. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, beginning in verse, well let's just read verse 11. Here's Paul. Let me give you a, a background. I'm not going to read the whole passage here, but Paul is speaking again through this letter to the church at Corinth, and he's talking about, in this case, forgiveness, which is a really, really big deal. Forgiveness is a really, really big deal. We as the church need to learn what that looks like. We all think it's a good idea until we have to do it. Or we all think it's a good idea until somebody's done something really awful to us, and then we don't think it's a good idea anymore. But the key is this, that if we don't release forgiveness, we're making a way and a place for him to come live in our lives. And we make our, our, our house his home. So he says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11. He says, lest Satan should take advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. He's saying to forgive for this reason. Lest Satan should take advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices there. Some translations have different words there. The Greek word there is actually noyema, and is more accurately translated thoughts. It's more accurately translated thoughts. We are not ignorant of his thoughts. Now, we've, had, we've spent a lot of time talking about this when it comes to identity. Did you know that not every thought that you have in your head is yours? You know that, right? He can come in and put thoughts in your mind. And it doesn't come in in third person. It typically comes in in first person. I think this. I will do this. I believe this. That's usually how he deposits something. And then we buy into it. And then that sets the course of action for our lives. But the word says we're not ignorant of his devices. Now, we all know this. The devil is inferior. Would we all agree? Not only is he inferior, but it says in Colossians that through the work of the cross... That Jesus made a public spectacle of him disarming him. Now, that's good news, isn't it? 
That's, that's a reason to be excited because Jesus came along and through the work of the cross disarmed him and made a public spectacle public spectacle of him. So he is most definitely the inferior when it comes to God and Satan. Don't, you may have seen these cartoons before. I used to watch the old Looney Tunes cartoons. Anybody else? Man, I wish I could get those things on a DVD or something. Those are the best. But in some of those cartoons, they have a picture of like an angel on one shoulder and a devil on the other shoulder. We think sometimes that's how the kingdom works. Like it's these two equally opposite powers that are equally powerful, but it's not like that. The demonic has been completely defeated, completely disarmed. Now I'm a gun guy. I like guns. I know what it means if somebody has a gun or if somebody doesn't have a gun. If somebody doesn't have a gun, you've really rendered them powerless, especially if you have one, right? And you know you have one, right? Do you know you have one? It's called Holy Spirit, right? It says you will receive power when Holy Spirit comes on you. What is power? Dunamis, where we get the word dynamite. So you have the gun inside of you. It's called the indwelling Holy Spirit. The demonic, all they can do is come in and lie. And when they come in and lie, it has no power at all until we believe the lie. And then as soon as we believe the lie, now we've empowered the liar. Now we've taken our power and we've given it to him. But we know that Satan is an inferior defeated foe. So the only way he can work is the same way he worked back in the Garden of Eden. He comes in with words and he talks incessantly until you buy into it. And when you buy into it, now you've given him power. The the, the inferior can have influence over the superior if the superior power is ignorant. That's why Paul says here, I don't want you to be ignorant. Don't be ignorant of these devices. We're not ignorant of them. Don't you be ignorant of them. Don't be ignorant of what he can come in and do. It's, it's possible, especially in our charismatic world, um, our Pentecostal charismatic world that we live in, it's really possible for us to go after the devil and put an overemphasis on what the devil is doing and in doing so not recognize and become ignorant to what he's really trying to do. Is this making sense? What he does is he gets us off track and he gets us onto issues. He gets us onto things that really don't matter. Let me put it this way. The devil doesn't care what side of an issue you are on. He doesn't care. If he can get you to operate in carnality and in flesh, then he's won. It doesn't matter what side of the issue you're on. You can stand. Let's just choose one for a moment. Let's talk about abortion for a moment. He doesn't care what side of issue you're on, but you start getting into carnality and now you're allowing him to start speak to you. This is making sense. Well, let's go a little further. Maybe this will make more sense if I read this. Look over at 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, beginning in verse 3, says this, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. What does the flesh represent here? It represents man. It represents man's attempts. It represents anything that has to do with humanity outside of the person of Jesus Christ. And he says, we don't war according to the flesh. We walk, we walk in the flesh. We do not war according to the flesh. For our, the weapons of our warfare are not what? 
carnal, but mighty. That's carnality is pretty simple. It's simply saying you've got a regenerated believer in Jesus Christ who used to walk after the lust of the flesh, but has come to the revelation of the purchase price of Jesus Christ in their life. They recognize at some level who they are, but carnality is when you know who you are and you start walking back in that flesh pattern again. So that's what he's saying here. For we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. Strongholds. Sometimes in some translations it's uh, translated fortresses. And I've even seen it in one translation where it's translated castle. For the pulling down of strongholds, of castles, of fortresses. Well, this is important, but we have to ask, what are those fortresses? What are those strongholds? The enemy lives in strongholds that we create for him by how we think. Shall I say that again? Because have you ever seen Satan's stronghold? Then where does he live? We're talking about destroying the devil's home. Where does he live then? He lives in strongholds that we create in our minds by what we entertain and by what we think about. The strongholds are created by what we think. The demonic exists in a safe realm in those thoughts of unbelieving believers. You still with me this morning? You start entertaining thoughts of your worthlessness. What you begin to do is you begin to build walls. I begin to build walls now that ultimately, if I keep entertaining thoughts that are contrary to the thoughts of God, I begin to build walls inside that ultimately, ultimately, if not dealt with, begin to be built into strongholds and castles. Now I've got this incredible fortress that I've said to the demonic, you come in, I've given you a hall pass, now run around in my mind. That's where the strongholds exist. Consider the opposite of this, though, because we hear David talk about strongholds all the time. Psalm 18, verse 2, the Lord is my rock and my fortress my deliverer, my God, my strength in whom I will trust, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. So it has two effects. And we're going to see here what this looks like in a moment. Psalm 31 verse 3, you are my rock, you are my fortress. Psalm 71 3, be my strong refuge. Psalm 91 2, one of my favorites, he is my refuge and my fortress. Consider this, that strongholds have both positive and negative connotations to them. One of them is life and one of them is death, but death, but we create them by what we think. The whole concept of a stronghold really is about, intended to be a place of safety and habitation. This is where I live. Psalm 91, it says, he who dwells in the secret place of the most high. Well, what does that look like? What do we set our minds? What are we thinking about? That's where we dwell. You've heard me say over and over again, Colossians 3, it says to us, set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. Why? Because the above is the superior reality. What we see here in the natural is the inferior reality. So what we meditate on, anytime I meditate on the promises of God, I'm building the stronghold that David's talking about here. You are my stronghold. You are my strong tower. You are the strength of my salvation. And in meditating on that, you build strongholds inside that protect your mind from the influence of the devil coming in and trying to speak to you. Come on, does that sound like good stuff to you? Let's get rid of him. Let's kick him out and say no more of you. Let's destroy the houses that he's built by thoughts that we've made and places we've made for him to come in. 
The dark side is what we create for the demonic realm. The devil builds from the thought realm. I, can't ex- I cannot express this enough. I remember when, when I came through a major transformation in my life, I remember God speaking to me so strongly about the thought realm and how important it is that so much of what we think determines on how we live. I mean, Proverbs says that as a man thinks, so is he. So we know that to be true. I'm not just making that up. But so much of what we think determines the future around us. I, I've seen this. Maybe you have too. People in their lives who are just constantly in an ongoing way having a hard time in some specific area in their life. At some point, we have to take a look at it, stop blaming the devil and start saying, where have I let him in and what strongholds have I built here? It's happened to me, first part of my life, I grew up in a very strong poverty mentality. It was a very powerful mindset. You guys know what I'm talking about, poverty mentality. It was so strong that it determined my future because everywhere I went, I was always in poverty. There was never enough. There was never enough. Oh, and by the way, poverty and greed come from the same father. And that father's name, his last name is, there's never enough. We think greed is awful. Nobody wants to be greedy, but somehow we let poverty in and we'll say the same thing and it comes from the same father. There's never enough. I lived in that mentality for so long that I had created strongholds in my mind. So I would, things would happen. Case in point, I'll give you an example. Something would happen where we would get some extra money that would come into us, unexpected money that would come in. And then almost immediately after, something would break. The car would break. And all that extra money that had just come in, I'm like, oh, man, now I got it. Man, it just figures. Isn't it, isn't it just like that? Just like extra money to come in, now it's got to go into the car. That's a poverty mindset. A favor mindset says, God, you saw that coming before it ever happened. You see the difference. And so I can look at it and go, thank you, God, that I didn't have to worry at all. I didn't have to worry for one minute because you preempted that car breaking and I got all this money that came in beforehand. Does this make sense? Yeah. But that's an important thing because these are the kinds of strongholds that we can build. We can say, oh, man, I can't get ahead. I just, man, you get one foot forward, two steps back. It's just that kind of way of life. That's a stronghold that we begin to build in our lives. And whenever the favor of God does shine on us, we don't see it because we're not paying attention. Our mind is geared towards something else, and we've built the castle inside, and we've told the devil, come in and live in here, and I'm going to call that castle poverty. I destroyed that castle a while back. It still wants to creep back in because there's natural patterns inside of me. But this just happened recently. I, I, what I'm talking about, the car, this just happened. Some, some extra money came into us, and we had to put $3,000 into our car, which is not something I usually have just laying around. But it was there. And it was so nice to be able to go, thank you, God. Thank you that my wife's car is running well because you provided for us to have this thing fixed and fixed right. That's a godly mentality. Yeah, that's a good word right there. You can applaud that. That's all right. You don't have to feel bad about that. The renewed mind, you hear me talk about that an awful lot. The renewed mind is all about breaking strongholds. I had someone email me, I'm sorry, text me this week and said, hey, I just realized something when I was meeting with the family over Thanksgiving. I saw this in one of my family members. I'm trying to be vague on purpose. I saw this in one of my family members and I've seen it my entire life. And I thought it was logic. And I just had a revelation from God that it's not logic. It's really fear. I was like, good for you. Good for you. You're recognizing that what appears to be something logical in the natural is really fear where it's creeped in. And it says, 
Because ultimately, fear will only leave this thing, this, these words ringing in your ear. This is what fear will leave ringing in your ear. You can't do it. It can't happen. That's what fear will do. This individual has suffered from fear their whole life. Got the revelation. I recognize it's not logic. It's actually fear. It's coming from a place of fear. And it seems to make sense in the natural. But it doesn't make sense in the spirit. And the next question was in the text, what do I do about this? And I said, right now it's critical because you have a chance for your mind to be renewed. You got a revelation from God. And every revelation that is not explored in faith will ultimately turn into a religion. It will just become words that are powerless. You can get revelation from God, get this galactic, wonderful revelation download from God. But if we don't take faith to explore it and start to put it into action in our lives, it ultimately becomes religion and just words that we know. You know what I'm talking about, right? We all get it all the time. We sit in church all the time and we get revelation all the time. You either get it through teaching, you get it through Holy Spirit yourself, you get it through worship. Someplace it comes to us and we get it all the time. But we as a Christian body still are in a place where we take it, but we don't put it into action in our life. And as a result, we've become really religious people. We can say all the right things. We know what to say. We can tell people about what we've learned, but really, where is it happening in our life? I'm not interested in being filled with knowledge up here in my head. I want my life to represent something greater. I want people to look at me and go, that looks like Jesus. That's something great right there. That's, 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 I want to be a part of something like that. I've talked about this before. You guys know what I'm talking about. People who understand that joy is not something that you conjure up. It's a fruit of the spirit. You can't force it to happen. You can't sit in your room with soaking music, teaching tapes, podcasts, and sit there and go, come on, joy, come out and try to force joy out of you. It doesn't happen like that. But people who understand that it's what it is and it starts flowing out of them, they're so much fun to be around, Right? Laughter is contagious. It's fun to be around. Laughter is contagious. And if it's not, man, there's something really hurt inside of you. If it, but that's a stronghold. That's another place where joy becomes something that exudes out of us. And if we can't let that happen and we see it happen in somebody else, then we start to get critical and suspicious. Why are they laughing? We're so happy about them. What do they have to be happy about? Especially in church, right? Because that's a weird place to laugh. What are they so happy about? Why are they laughing so hard? That's, just, that's weird to me. That's just really weird. What are we doing when we entertain thoughts like that? We're building castles. We're building castles inside of our mind, and we're saying, Satan, come in and inhabit that castle, and this one's going to be depression. This one's going to be suspicion. Oh, and by the way, suspicion is more times than not what we call discernment in the church. Well, I just am discerning something about that. No, that's called suspicion. Let's call it what it is. Let's don't put a Christian name on it and look at it like it's holy. <laughs> How do I know when it's suspicion? When it comes in and it, and it separates and compartmentalizes and it, may, and it makes you and me or us and them. And we call that discernment. No, that's really suspicion there. That's another place where we build castles. Is this making sense this morning? Where we build castles inside of our minds and we're saying, it's okay. It's just a little castle, but it's over there in the corner. And we're saying, Satan, go ahead and inhabit that one right there. The renewed mind. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How many want to be transformed? 
Romans 12, 2. Be transformed how? By the renewing of our mind. What's the renewing of the mind? You get a revelation like this young individual just got saying, I thought it was logic, but it's really fear. Okay, now you take that and you never, ever, ever, ever let go of that. You look at it and now everything has to come through that grid. That's the only way your mind is going to be renewed because there's long history, a long pattern of fear being the main thing that moves you in your life. And in order for that to stop, you have to see everything now through this lens, through that grid. It might look like logic, but it's not really logic. It's just fear. Okay, so I'm not going to choose that. Holy Spirit, speak to me. What does faith look like? What does adventure look like? What does promise look like? Because this is what we've been called into. <clears throat> we, we create alliances with what we think. It doesn't matter. It's good, the good, the bad, the ugly. We can create alliances with whatever we entertain. Do you remember back in Mark, Mark chap, chapter 8? It's also in Matthew 16. Um, I like Mark's version of it. When Peter gets this wonderful revelation, you're the Christ. You are the son of a living God. And remember Jesus' response to him was said, flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my father in heaven. In other words, there is no amount of human logic that will ever bring that kind of revelation to you because it's flesh. It's flesh and blood can't reveal that to you. Only my father in heaven revealed this to you. So he gets this wonderful revelation and then turns right back around and does something incredibly stupid where Jesus starts to say, I have to be killed and they're going to take me and they're going to crucify me. And Peter, thinking that he's now in the revelatory realm, and that's where he lives all the time, he starts to speak back to Jesus and say, oh, far be it from you that that should ever happen to you. And I like Mark's account of what happens there because it says in Mark's gospel, it says Jesus turned his back on Peter and spoke to his disciples, and he said, get behind me, Satan. Now, he wasn't speaking to them. He was physically putting him behind him and saying, I am not going to entertain for a moment that kind of man's logic. Remember, Jesus was not some kind of superhero. He was a man. Everybody say this with me. Jesus was a man. He's just, he was a man just like I am. Born of a different seed, but he was a man just like I am. And he was tempted in every way. Right? The word says that. Right? That he was tempted in every way. So for Jesus to turn his back, do you think for a moment that it would have been something for him? There may have been something inside of his man, part of who he was, that wanted to go, yeah, I really don't want to go to the cross. Do you think that might have been something he could have thought about? Well, I know that. It, I know that it's true. You get into the Garden of Gethsemane and he starts to say, God, if there's any way, if there's any way, let this thing go away. He was tempted just like we are. But in this gospel account right here in Mark, he turns his back on Peter and he says, get behind me, Satan. You are not mindful of the things of God. You are mindful of the things of man. Satan will always look for the mind of man to enter in to our life. And that's where the strongholds start. It starts with the mind of man. And I love that story of Jesus because he's intentionally turns his back and he says, not for a second am I going to entertain that. That will take me off my destiny. That will take me off my course. And it will definitely affect all of humanity if I don't follow through with this. Why? The mind that's set on man is the carnal thinking. Carnal thinking happens mostly through pride. It really does. It happens through us getting a revelation of something, and then we think we've got it, and so we start thinking not appropriately about how does this relate to life and God and what he's speaking to me. We think about it like, let me tell somebody about what I know. That's carnality. 
Boy, I feel like I'm stepping on some toes here. He didn't say to Peter, your mind is filled with occultic thoughts or your mind is filled with the devil. That's what we do in church. We, we want to do that. He said, no, your mind is just filled with the things of man. And that's not trying to gloss over it and make it something simple. He's saying the mind of man is the very entry point where Satan's going to come in and start speaking to you. Don't let it in. Turn your back on it and say, get behind me. Get behind me. Those thoughts do not bring about the righteousness of God. That kind of thinking does not bring about an establishment of the kingdom inside of me that will be where I live from. It brings another kingdom in that wants to invade. And, it wants to, and, it, and the only power that it has is because I've believed it. I've believed the thought and it's come in. Now I've got a castle over here of a revelation of God that he's the Christ, the son of the living God. And I got another castle over here that says, oh, but he doesn't have to die. Is this making sense? Humanity without Christ at the center is demonic in nature. Don't slip back into that kind of human. It's, it's what humanism is. Humanism says that abortion is wrong. But it's not coming from a standpoint of why God believes that it's not a good idea. That it's murder. I'm not trying to be political. I hope you guys are hearing me here. The humanist will say that all life is valuable so you shouldn't kill a human being. A Christian will say the same thing, but one of them has the heart of God in it, and the other one just has the mind of man in it. Be very, very careful. I want to speak to you millennials in this room, too. Be very, very, very careful about this ongoing push in society for social justice. It's demonic in nature. It looks really good on the surface. It looks like equality. It looks like making sure that everybody's taken care of. It looks like political correctness. It, looks, it is not. It is demonic in nature. Why? Because it has the mind of man at its root. It does not have the mind of God at the root. I don't understand. If it's all about equality, can we please aim just a little bit higher? Because you are completely different than I am. You're completely different than I am. Everybody in here is different than I am, and you're different than everybody else. Can we celebrate that instead of trying to make everybody equal? You see, it can only go so far. You hear where I'm going. The mind of man will only go so far because it's inferior in nature. In humanity... Without Christ at the center is going to be demonic in nature. And let me put it this way. You and I, in a breath, can channel the demonic simply by what we entertain and what, by what we let come out of our mouth. We can let the demonic, we can establish kingdoms by speaking something just, like, just that easy. It can happen. Oh, well, they're, they're, they're whatever. There's something wrong with them. Hmm. In the South, we have a nice way of doing it. When we were in Nashville, it was, it was a nice way. That boy is as dumb as a box of hair. Bless his heart. If you put bless his heart at the end of it, it's okay, right? But what we speak, we put into motion because God has drawn us into this relationship with him where we co-create with him. Did you know that? It's part of the original design. You go back to the original design when God created Adam and Eve and he, he creates the animals and he says, you name them and whatever you call them, that's what they're going to be. Whatever you say, that's what they're going to be. So he begins to name them. God didn't want to do this thing where he set it, this cosmic thing into order and just sat back and watched it happen. He wanted to have humanity join in with him and be a representation of him in the earth. 
That's the original design. So what we say with our mouths about other people, but what we say with our mouths about ourselves will create strongholds, create castles in our mind where we say then, again, have the hall pass, come in and mess around. The demonic is actually attracted to the thoughts of man. It's just looking for one. It's look, that's its entry point, is the thought of man. It creates a place of safety for the demonic to live. That's why we need an ongoing life of repentance. I'm serious, church. An ongoing life of repentance. And repentance does not mean turn and go in the opposite direction. Repentance means to change your mind. Metanoia is what the language means. To change your mind. And it doesn't mean change your mind from buying Colgate or Crest. I'm not talking about that kind of changing your mind. I'm going to change my mind on the toothpaste. I've repented. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about changing your mind on what are the thoughts that you entertain that are contrary to what God thinks. That's the kind of repentance that leads us into something. That's the kind of repentance that leads us into destiny. When we recognize these thoughts that I'm having are not God thoughts. This thought that I have about my life that I'm worthless and I'm a waste of skin and I'm breathing somebody's good air, that's demonic in nature. And if you partner with it, you're building the stronghold. It's simple, but it, it has an incredible impact in our life. I see so many Christians in my entire life on this planet of being in church my entire life. I see, by and large, Christianity, Christians walking around who are more depressed than the world around them. Why is that? That should not be, that should not be the way. Well, it's because I've removed all that other stuff from my life and I won't partake in it. Well, that's too bad. I'm in this world, but I'm not of this world. Yeah. I posted something earlier this week that said something along those lines. We as Christians are more concerned about being contaminated instead of being effective. Yeah. Well, of course you're going to get contaminated if that's what you're thinking about all the time, if that's where you're setting your mind, and even if you're trying to avoid it. Well, I don't want to go to a movie theater because you never know. That might be, that's not good. Watching movies, you know, whatever the case is. Fill in the blank for you. I'm not going to do that. Well, okay. Set your mind on those kinds of things. Your fear of being contaminated is now stronger than your belief in being effective. I'm not going to live like that. I'm going to live with the thoughts of God. I want to be on an ongoing place of repentance in my life where all, I want, all I'm thinking about is the thoughts of God. I'm telling you, there's a difficulty in this because it demands that we arrest what we're thinking. Have you ever tried to do that? We don't have this as a discipline in a church, and it really would be a good discipline in a church. Does anybody in here spend a lot of time meditating? Let me see your hand. Not a whole lot? Well, every, every hand in this room should go up because you meditate all the time. You do. You meditate all the time. Every time you're by yourself, you're in the shower, you're driving down the road, you're shopping, whatever it is, when you're by yourself, you're meditating. Whether you believe it or not, you're meditating. You just need to change the object, change the subject of what you're meditating about. Ask yourself the question when you're in the shower, when you're driving the car alone, where you're just, wherever you're by yourself, you're working. Ask yourself, what am I thinking about? Seriously. This is a discipline that would do the church good because if we're not at a point where we're doing that ongoingly, we aren't repenting, number one, because we're not recognizing what's wrong. But if we are doing it, then we can recognize, oh man, that thought's not really good. That's not a really good thought. How it started for me and starting to arrest these thoughts was I started to ask myself, what am, I, what am I feeling right now? Because I've never been really good at identifying my feelings. I've, just, I've never done that. I basically have had, majority of my life, I've had two feelings. It's anger and the absence of anger. 
I mean, that's changed. That's radically changed. But the bulk of my life growing up, it was anger or the absence of anger. Those were the two primary feelings I had. So I've been asking myself a lot more. What kind of feelings am I having? Am I feeling scared? Do I feel alone? Do I feel happy? Do I feel... And this sounds really ridiculous, but I'm telling you guys, if you want to start identifying where strongholds might exist in your life, start asking yourself, what am I thinking? Because the demonic is attracted to the thoughts of man. Transversely, Think about it like this. What if we were to think about the thoughts of God? When, remember when the angel came to Mary and said, Holy Spirit's going to come on you and you're going to conceive. And goes through this wonderful thing about how all the nations and all this, all this wonderful things are going to happen because of this thing that Holy Spirit is doing inside of you. And what does it say that Mary did? She pondered these things in her heart. What did she do? She was building castles. She was building strongholds in her mind. She was saying, I'm pondering this. I'm going to meditate on the thing that God is saying to me. And in doing so, when she was doing that, she's now partnering with the promise and attracting the angelic realm to enforce and help her carry out the purpose of God. Amen. You want the angelic realm to come in and enforce the purpose of God in your life? Start thinking about what he's thinking about. Start making yourself say what he's saying. I think about these things, I say these things, all of a sudden, all of heaven hears it and goes, yes, I'm going to get behind that. Angels, get down there and start backing that up. Start enforcing that very thing that they're thinking in their life so that those promises and those destinies begin to happen in their life. Come on, is this helpful to you this morning? It sounds like, I don't know how it works ultimately. I wish I could give you a formula. All I know to say is think about what you're thinking about. Think about what you're thinking about. Ask yourself, why am I thinking this? Why am I feeling this way? What kind of thoughts am I having? What are those thoughts doing? Am I building that kind of structure and castle and fortress for the demonic to come in and live in and just wreak havoc in my life? Yeah, that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for that angelic realm to come in and force. I am. I'm looking for the angels that are carrying guns and swords. I'm looking for the armies, the host of God to come gather around me because of the thoughts that I'm thinking and anything that tries to get into that fortress, into that stronghold, gets the knife. Yeah! That's something effortless. I don't have to go into demonic fighting and battling when I'm starting to... Is this making sense? When I think about what God is saying and what he's already promised, it attracts the angelic realm instead of the demonic realm, the fallen angels. It attracts the right angels. They get around me. They start enforcing this very thing around me. And so I don't have to worry about going after the devil. I have to think on this one thing and I got the whole angelic realm protecting me. I don't like going after the devil. If he shows up and he gets in my crosshairs, I shoot him. I pull the trigger. But if he's not there, I'm not going and hunting him down. I'm more interested in finding this thing called the kingdom of God, the thoughts of God. I'm more interested in finding those things. And when I find my, those things and I set my mind on them, I know the angelic realm is all around me. And I even have the ability to dispatch the angels. I can do that. That's another story. There's an, I'll tell you this story. Uh, a number of years ago, I was still living in Nashville. I was a general contractor. And occasionally from lumber yards, I would buy lumber packages for additions and buildings or whatever I was building. And I had one delivery come to me, and they gave me over 700 two-by-fours that I didn't order. And I didn't pay for them. So it was something extra that somebody messed up, and they put, I mean, it was a couple thousand dollars worth of lumber. They put 
on this lumber package delivered to me. And when I started looking at it, I'm going, I didn't order that. I looked at my, I didn't pay for that either. Somehow that just ended up here. Now, it would have been really easy for me just to keep the lumber. But it, would, it was a whole lot easier for me to keep the lumber in a number of ways. Logistically, it was easier for me to keep the lumber. I had to find a way to pack it all back up and take it back to them. And I did that, and I felt, but I felt something happening right here that I felt like before I could even identify it, I knew that what I do at this, point is, at this point is critical because I'm either building a stronghold for the demonic or I'm building a stronghold for what God wants inside of me. Now, these strongholds for what I build when I think about the things of God, all kinds of really good promises of God get placed in those strongholds, and they're protected. And so I packaged it all up, took a couple of trucks and trailers, took it back to them, and said, here's the bill. Here's what I ordered. Here's what you gave me. It took that manager probably 30 minutes to figure out what the heck was going on. Not because of what happened logistically. He couldn't figure out why somebody was bringing lumber back. He was like, why didn't you just, you can keep it if you want. I said, no, because if I take what's yours, then I don't get what's mine. If I take what belongs to you, I allow a stronghold to be built in my mind that does not allow me to get what's coming to me. Because now I've got a block in there. It's making sense. It's not just about character. Yes, that matters. I understand that. The character matters, but there's something greater. I'm not just looking for the character just so that I can be trustworthy. I'm looking for the kingdom. I'm looking for something to be established inside of me that just says, yeah, yeah, I can trust you with that. And since you didn't do that, let me establish this right here. And guess what, Andrew? That's not going to get moved. That's not going to get moved. Me taking that back built a stronghold inside of me, the kind of good stronghold that David talks about that says, now I can trust you with this. And guess what? That can't be taken anywhere. Does this make sense? Our goal in all of this is to destroy, destroy, destroy the devil's strongholds that are in our minds. I, don't, I, I can't stand it. I can't stand seeing Christians, blood-bought, redeemed children of God, walking around with strongholds in their minds that determine the outcome of their life simply because it's something that they bought into. It, it really breaks my heart. We should be moving into, into destinies and futures out there that should, long ago we should have accessed these things. Long, long ago we should have accessed these things, but we allow simple little thoughts to come in, like a, a, a look in the mirror that says my ears are too big. What are we doing? Saying, now i got a stronghold right there. Now my focus is on, I wish I looked like that. I want somebody else's. I wish I looked like that. i got a stronghold now that says, there's something wrong with who I am. I wish I would think a little. I wish I was smart. I wish I wasn't so dumb. I wish I had arms as big as Andrew's. <laughs> Look at him guns. That's how strongholds, it's the simple, tiny little things because the thoughts of man are the very attractant for the demonic to come in and try to establish the stronghold. So how do we pull down strongholds? Well, I know this, that Corinthians tells me, Paul tells me in 1 Corinthians, he says, you have the mind of Christ. Okay, good one there. That's a good one. So that means I don't need to go hunt it down. It exists. I have the mind of Christ. I just need to question what is his mind and what is not. Does this make sense? When 2 Corinthians 10 says, take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ, he's saying, take every thought that comes into your mind captive, arrest it, good or bad, it doesn't matter. Every thought, arrest it and go, is this Jesus' thoughts or is this demonic thoughts? If this is demonic thoughts, then we hit it over here in the little porcelain bowl and we hit the button and it goes, and it flushes and it's a gone, it's a goner. 
Flush those thoughts. Hold on to the thoughts that belong to God that are designed for you because we have the mind of Christ. Make no room for thoughts that violate the purposes of God. Does anybody in here have a prophetic word over their life, at least in part, on your destiny and your calling? Let me see your hand. Okay. Everything, that should be simple then for all of us to take everything that comes in, every thought that comes in, and if it doesn't line up with that, then you know immediately that's not God. I hope I'm making this simple for us. That's not God. If it doesn't line up with that God-given word that you have, then that is not God. That's the demonic trying to get to you right there. Don't let the stronghold, the castle, be established. Bind what's wrong and loose what's right. That whole passage in Mark 8, Jesus says that. I'll give you the keys to the kingdom. I'll give you the keys to the kingdom, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, which really more accurately would translate Whatever you bind on earth will have already been bound, and whatever you loose will have already been loosed. In other words, all you're doing is coming into agreement with what he's already done. Oh boy, I feel a bunny path coming on there. Agreement is everything. I'm not talking about agreement between us. I'm talking about agreement with him. Amos 3, can two walk together unless they are agreed? He's not talking about people here. It's a, it's a picture of something greater. He's saying, you guys are not agreeing with what I'm saying about you, and so you don't find the promises because you just won't come into agreement. If you would just simply think about these things and come into agreement, you'll see those things happen in your life. We have the mind of Christ. You have prophetic words over your life. You have this. Good God, that might do us a little good. How about we read that for a while? You know what? Here's, here's what you should do. All of us should do this. I used to read that, buddy, that, that study that Bible to learn. I don't do that anymore. I don't read that thing to learn. I read it to hear. And I'll read it and I'll meditate on something. Not to try to get an intellectual grasp on it. I'll read it until it starts speaking in here. And when it starts speaking in here, my intellect oftentimes won't even understand it. But something that I'm reading is starting to make me come alive inside. I feel it when I'm talking about it. I can read through some really hard things through Leviticus. And in my mind, if I try to make sense of them, they will be like, it'll throw me off and it'll throw me into all kinds of theological twists and turns. But if I read it going, God, speak to my heart, then I start to recognize something happens that all of a sudden I see Jesus coming out of it. And it's doing something deep inside here. And I can't even explain it. Oftentimes when I read this stuff, I will take passages of scripture and sometimes I will take even two or three words in a verse and I will just say them over and over and over again. Not so I can make sense out of them because there's something I felt life on it. Now it's starting to do something inside of me. Is this helping this morning? This would do us a lot of good. I'm not interested in people reading their Bibles just so they can say I read my Bible and I read through it in a year or whatever. Come on. Great. Wonderful. I'm more interested in it having an impartation effect so that it changes me from the inside out. Yeah. You know, you can do that. Make your New Year's resolution read through the Bible in the year. That's great. That's fine. It probably would do us a lot more good just to say, I'm going to read every day. I'm just going to read every day and just start reading. Cause I'll find through, I'll flip through Corinthians. I'll flip through Psalms. I'll flip through Leviticus. I'll read stuff until something starts to resonate. And when it starts to resonate, I'll just sit there and read it over and over and over and over and over again. Not trying to memorize it, not trying to understand it. I want it to start bringing something alive inside here. Guys, it's really quite okay. That if you don't have the ability to defend this word with how much you know to somebody else, that really is okay. We went through a phase on this for a while in the church where it was all about the defense of the gospel. It doesn't need defending. It needs to be let loose. Yeah. Amen. 
It just needs to be let loose. Let it loose. Somebody just simply believe what's in there. Just somebody believe something that's in there and that thing will get let loose and you don't have to argue about it anymore. How many times do we try to defend the word in our arguments and we do exactly what Peter did when it came to Jesus in the garden? Remember when the troops came to get Jesus? In his own defense, he takes a sword and he cuts off the, the servant's ear of the high priest. How many times do we cut off somebody's ability to hear by our defense of the gospel? I don't need to defend it. I need to believe it. I need to read it until it starts getting inside and it starts to resonate and just comes alive. Strange things in there I read. Strange things in this thing that I just don't know what to do with them, but when I read them, they make me come alive inside. I wouldn't dare to try to teach on them because I don't understand them. All I know is it feels really good. Does that make sense? Because I'm not trying to read it to understand it. I'm trying to read it to find life in it. Yeah, the person, this is what I believe, the person who gains control over their own thought life is positioned to influence the thoughts of a nation. We are. You want to see a move of God in a city? I do. Anybody want to go with me on this? Yeah. I want to see a move of God in this city. I really do. I don't think it's going to come by our striving and our fighting and our trying to memorize scripture or shout prayers or do all this kind of stuff. I really do believe it's going to happen when we as a people learn to get the thoughts in the mind of God and that's all we do is live in that area right there. I'm not saying we have to get it perfect in order for it to happen. I'm just saying that this is where our focus is. I want to think what God thinks. And I only want that to be what happens in my mind. I don't want any other thoughts to come into my mind. I don't want strongholds in my mind and castles in my mind. I want to think that. I believe people who can arrest their thoughts and start thinking what God thinks can change and influence a culture around them. Why? Because they've learned how to say no to what is not God. They've learned how to say no to humanism. They've learned how to say no to the thoughts of man. And the thoughts of man are simple things sometimes. Like, well, I really don't want to offend them. You know, I'm not going around trying to offend people. That is not my goal. That really is not my goal. But if I offend, I offend. I'm not trying to be offensive. That just feels so politically incorrect, doesn't it, to say that? You hear, I hope you're hearing my heart in that. That's, I'm not saying this is my goal in life to offend. Jesus says offenses must come. I believe the reason why they must come is they reveal what's going on inside of us. If I get offended, it's revealing what's going on in here has nothing to do with the other person that did the offense. has zero to do with the person who did the offense. It has everything to do with what's going on inside of me. And I have to ask the question, why does that bother me? Oh boy, I can get into some religious stuff right here. When we see things, hear things in our media or whatever that happens, and it's against the church or it's against God, and we feel something rising up inside of us, we better stop in that moment and ask, why is this rising up inside of me? Because I'm thinking he's a pretty big boy and he can take care of himself. Yeah. And the minute I try to defend, I'm going to do what Peter did. I'm going to cut off somebody's ear and won't, won't allow him to hear. <clears throat> Philippians 4.8. I'm going to leave you with this. Turn there real quick. Hallelujah. I'm doing so good. It is only 12.20. 12.22. I'm doing so good. Philippians 4. Oh, you want to talk about a book that will move you. Just meditate on this book. Just read through this. You can read through it really quick. It doesn't take a lot of time to read through the book of Philippians. Just read through it, but don't read it to learn. Read it to hear. Philippians chapter 8, or chapter 4, verse 8 says, Finally, my brethren, 
whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of a good report, if there are any virtue, if there are anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. I'm speaking to myself, too. It's real easy. I know how easy it is, especially with certain people. It's real easy to talk about somebody else. Not even in a bad way, but to talk about, man, you know it would really help them out. You know it would really do them some good. Really? Why am I talking with this person about that when I haven't even had that conversation with that person yet? Is that trustworthy? Is that a good report? No, I don't think so. Think about the things that are. Hold on to Philippians 4.8. Kingdom thoughts breed kingdom revelation. End of story. Kingdom thoughts breed kingdom revelation. Check yourself in this one right here, since this is how we pull down strongholds. Am I spending more time in my mind thinking about wrong versus right as opposed to thinking about life versus death? Because remember when Joshua laid it all out there and he says, I lay before you life and death. He didn't say I lay before you right and wrong. Guys, we've got to get our minds out of this right and wrong stuff. Get it out. That's the eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That never led to anything good. He said, I give you the tree of life or I give you the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If our minds are constantly thinking about what's right and wrong, then we're entertaining man's thoughts and we're allowing strongholds to be built in ours. What, the, what has it to do with life and death? That really is the question. Does this have anything to do with life or does it have anything to do with death? We have the ability to change the culture around us and it will start by us changing what's going on inside here because we have the kingdom of God inside of us. Everybody stand up with me here. <clears throat> All right, was that helpful? Hopefully that came out and made sense. Oh, God, help us. Yes, 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 yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Holy Spirit, right now, beyond just mere human words, Lord, I pray, Holy Spirit, with all of my heart, with all of my heart, with everything that's inside of me, that every heart in this room, every mind in this room would be exposed to your goodness. So exposed to your goodness that it makes everything that is not of you get exposed. Everything that we've bought into in times past that just seems normal, that we see it for what it really is, that we see it that it's not of you. It's a stronghold. It's a castle. It's a fortress that we've allowed the demonic to come in. And we say right now to you, the demonic, get out of my mind. Destroy that stronghold. Destroy that castle right now. Bring in the words of God. I, you can almost take it to the bank because, listen, church, the demonic is not creative. They are created beings. All they can do is counterfeit. So if you are identifying something in your mind that you know is not of God and you're wondering what God thinks, just do the exact opposite. Just say the exact opposite of what this stronghold has been telling you. Say the exact opposite. If it's, I'm not valued and I'm worthless, no, you are the most valued and worth, worth, full of so much worth, worthy thing on this planet. Yeah. You have so much worth, so much value. Think about that for a minute. 
Yeah, stay with me here for a minute. Holy Spirit, just keep working right now. I'm, I'm just praying Holy Spirit would, would reveal right now. Because the demonic says in 2 Corinthians, says, the, lest the light of the gospel should shine on them. He comes in with thoughts and blinds us. Lest the light of the gospel should shine on us. I'm praying right now the light of the gospel, the full redemptive finished work of Jesus Christ, land in your heart and in your mind to reveal those places where there's strongholds. Come on, everybody close your eyes for a minute. I don't want you to get distracted here. Just listen, focus on what Holy Spirit is saying. The light of the gospel, the good news, the resurrected Christ taking up residence inside of you through Holy Spirit. That light, come on right now. Shine. Show where those strongholds are. It's real easy to knock those strongholds down. You just find what the truth is and you say, that's what, I, that's what I profess, that's what I confess, that's what I say, that's what I believe from this point forward. No more of that. This is the renewed mind. I'm being transformed right now because I'm thinking about what God says about me, not about what those strongholds say. Father, I pray, Holy, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would, for everybody who would agree to this, I pray that you would put a, a grid, a filter over our minds, that from the minute we walk out this door, anything that comes in, that you would just shock us and say, that's not me. That's not me. Get behind me. Get behind me, Satan. That's not, that is mindful of the things of man. That is not mindful of the things of God. And just repeat this after me. Devil, Devil. you no longer... Have a place in my mind. I'm evicting you. And I'm destroying your house. The Holy Spirit, give me new thoughts that establish your house and dispatch angels to defend it. Yes, amen to that. Yes, amen to that. Yes. Yes, God. And just repeat after me with this too. And I choose any revelation you give me to be something that I explore. Now, what you just did right there is you're saying, I'm not choosing to live where I am right now. I'm choosing to move into the kingdom. You're not going to let it become religion. You're going to move into the kingdom. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Now put your hand on the person next to you here real quick. <laughs> and let's just agree. I'm not going to make you repeat after me because you might not want to do it. That is such a setup when we have repeat things because you don't know where I'm going. <laughs> Let's just agree that this is the body of Christ. This is my brother and my sister next to me. Okay? And I am not going to allow you to think things or say things that are inconsistent with what God says. And when you say those things, I'm going to stop you and I'm going to say, that's not God. That's not what God says. All to help you and all for you to help me that when I say things that are not God, that you help me stop those things because I don't want castles being built in my life. 
Husbands and wife, this is really good for you. This is really, really good for you. Husbands and wives, don't allow your spouse to say something and then it go unaddressed. Challenge it. See, that's not God. That's not God thinking right there. I'm not angry with you. I'm not trying to get after you. I'm just saying that's not God right there. Let's don't let strongholds be built. Let's, let's commit to do this because we're the body of Christ. Because I want to see a culture shift because we have angels being released all around people all the time because they've got these strongholds that David talked about. You're my rock. You're my refuge, my stronghold. You are the horn of my salvation. You are my strength. I believe David could identify those things. I believe he could see into his own mind and he could see those strongholds and he could say they exist. They exist, and God, it's you. It's you, and that's where I run to. I run to those thoughts. I run to those thoughts that you say, God, because that's where the strength is found right there. Everybody agree with that? Everybody want to be a part of this? Everybody want to see a city get changed? Yes, 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 God. So we say amen, 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 and amen to it. In Jesus' name. All right, thank you, Jesus. Whew. We got some meditating to do. Let's shift the subject of our meditation. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Acts 2 podcast. Love God, love people, and live life.